0: free money is out there just go get it by starting your podcast today y'all we are back with our CEO and director of dopeness Miss Patricia and her amazing company Hood Adjacent Tees now I have told you all about Hood Adjacent Tees from week to week and I am so excited about this company you can get custom made t-shirts for anything and they also have t-shirts that are amazing this is for everybody this is for your holy shirts as well as your around the way shirts some of her shirts say things like manifest they are filled with black girl magic filled with black boy joy and she really plans on growing this company you can only buy online for now but she soon plans on opening a store where it's going to be more than just a store it's going to be a whole community affair where there's a cafe community garden she can hold classes that are open to the community that can help out her community this is somebody that not only has a business about black folks but she is committed to giving back to black folks y'all these t-shirts are so cute I, i told you guys i got custom made onesies for my niece and nephew and you can get your custom made shirt so if you need to get a shirt for you your auntie and them everybody else you can make that happen hood adjacent tees is the company that you want to spend your dollars with okay these shirts are super cute they're high quality material they're not going to fade you're going to look fantastic in them so check out hoodish.org to get your hood adjacent tees the link will be in the description box below you can use the discount code swk to get 20 percent off your order of 20 dollars or more that's discount code swk to get 20 percent off check them out and now to the show
1: What's up, everybody? I'm Mara.
0: And I'm Taz.
1: And welcome back to Sisters
0: Who Kill. Hey, everybody! It's our 21st (laughs) episode. It it is our, our 21st episode. And that means that Sisters Who Kill is officially old enough to drink. So some of you may remember our previous sponsor, Faith, who is like your virtual bartender for everything you need. Well, Faith came through and made some specialty Sisters Who Kill drinks. So right now we are drinking the Marada she wrote. It's so good. It is so good. And next we have the what is it called? The Killerita. The That's Killer. Mine. Ooh, the Killerita. Yeah, because Tazzy loves margaritas, so it's the Killerita, and that we'll be drinking on in the middle of the episode at some point. Yeah. So just so y'all know, we're drinking. Great. <clears throat> For this week's episode, we kind of have a who done it type of episode. At first, it seems like a simple open and shut case, but pay attention y'all to the small twists and turns within the case throughout the episode, okay? Did our murderess actually commit the crime or is she a victim to the hands of the justice system?
1: so let's get into our players first we have keon Pittman, carla's lover then we have avis banks
0: keon's fiance and carla hughes our murderess carla was born june 12 1981 and she is from jackson mississippi her birth mother had so many kids to support so she ended up putting carla up for adoption as an infant her adoptive parents Carl and linda hughes raised carla as an only child she grew up with what seemed to be like a very loving and supportive household, she grew up learning how to horseback ride. She was in high school band. She was a cheerleader. She ran track. She was in key clubs. She was extremely popular. And she also worked the pageant circuit. She competed in the Mississippi National Teen and Miss the Teen Miss America pageants in Mississippi. She did it all. She did it all. Even when she was 14, she won the Mississippi State Championship for... Horseback riding, horseback taming. Uh-huh. And not only that, but then she went on and won sixth in the world. So very I accomplished.
1: Sixth in the world in anything. Literally not even breathing. Like sixth in the world
0: in what? <laughs> in what? <laughs> She grew up around a family of educators, and growing up in that environment was a catalyst for her love of children. She loved kids. She knew at a very young age that she too wanted to be an educator. So, after high school, she went to college at the University of Southern Mississippi and got her bachelor's in early childhood education. And then she went on and got her master's in education from Bellhaven College. Throughout this time, she was dating, she got engaged, and then she found out she was pregnant. But in 2004, While she was four months pregnant, her fiancé called it off and dipped out on her and her child's life. Mm. But she continued to press on. She had her son. She landed a job as a middle school language arts teacher at Chastain Middle School in Jackson, Mississippi. She also was the head cheerleading coach, and so it seemed like she was really achieving her goals. She really enjoyed her students, and she got along with all of her coworkers. She got especially close to one coworker, Mr. Keon Pittman. All
1: right, y'all. So Keon was a player player from the Himalayas, all right? He was 31 years old when he and Carla met because he was also employed at Chastain Middle School. He was a math teacher, and he also coached the basketball team. So naturally, the basketball coach and the cheerleading coach, like they're going to spend some time around each other, right? Mm-hmm. So they started spending a lot of time around each other. Carla says she walked up to him one day cause she heard a conversation that she was kind of interested in and they haven't stopped talking since
0: so he was a super flirt
1: he was and they wasn't just talking about basketball games y'all they was talking outside of school they would hang out at each other's houses they would go out to eat and Carla would often spend evenings with him at, on the border <laughs> you ever went to on, on the border and got the Corona Rita
0: no because I try to go to like real Mexican restaurants <laughs>
1: No, we go strictly for his margaritas. <laughs> Don't know any food on their menu. So, they spent their weekends here because this is where Keon worked nights. He doubled as a bartender. And this was also a good opportunity for him to pick up some more ladies, if you know what I'm saying. He made the drinks right. Somebody's going home tonight, okay? Now, Keon was not an attractive person but it be them real average niggas that got hella game you know they know how to talk to you
0: it's not that they have game it's the real average niggas that have confidence
1: and the confidence is part of the game so this was him he knew how to talk to people he knew how to stand up and be noticed and it worked for him you know and so keon and carla's relationship it started to grow but there was only one problem keon was engaged To his baby mama, who's five months pregnant at the house. Like, it's his first child in the womb still. Like, he doesn't have an actual baby in his arms. But that's his baby mama. She's five months pregnant. He engaged.
0: She she about to come soon.
1: So, Keon was engaged to Avis. Avis Banks was born the middle child out of three to her parents, Frederick and Deborah Banks, in Vicksburg, Mississippi, on August eighteenth, nineteen 1979. Like Carlin Keon, she too was passionate about the youth. She was the first person in her family to graduate from college, where she graduated cum laude with a degree in early childhood education from Alcorn State University. HBCU in the game. She worked at a local daycare, but she had hopes of opening up her own one day. When the couple found out that they were pregnant on June 2006, Avis' strict parents were not happy that she was pregnant out of wedlock. You know? We're we're in Mississippi here. So... Davis like went to her parents and she apologized for disappointing them and she was sorry that she got pregnant and she was like I'm going to make this right. We're going to get married and we're going to have a proper a proper family. So the couple got engaged and they bought a house. And they set the wedding date for February 2007. Now, according to Keon's family on on Snap, they said that he wasn't exactly ready to get married. He definitely felt the pressure of needing to get married because his child was on the way. But wanting to get married, they don't so much know that he felt that way. You know what I mean? So, though Keon was engaged, according to both Keon and Carla, they knew that they were just having a fling and neither one of them took their relationship too seriously. According to Keon, Carla and him were both fully aware of his upcoming nuptials and did
0: not plan on getting in the way of that. So this brings us to Wednesday, November 29th, 2006. The day starts off like any other workday. School starts and ends on time, just like normal. Before basketball practice starts, Keon calls his fiance, Avis, to see what she would like for dinner. Avis tells him what she has a hankering for, and so Keon decides he's going to run to the store and grab some groceries. Now. He goes and grabs the groceries, but because of where he lives in relation to the school and the grocery store, he calls his good friend, (laughs) heavy air quotes, Carla, and asks if he can drop off the groceries while he's in basketball practice, and afterwards he'll come by, pick them up, and he'll head home, you know, drop off the perishables. She says all right cool whatever and so he swings by around 4 40 drops off the groceries and leaves at 5 10 in time to get back to school for the basketball practice that starts at 5 30 while he's at basketball practice he calls her around 6 15 and she's like oh i just got to work it out and i'm about to shower he's like all right i'll see you when i go and go and pick up the groceries Basketball practice goes as expected and keon leaves the gym around 7 30 and he's at her house by 7 50. He swings by, he grabs the groceries as expected. They both say that they chatted for about uh, 45-ish minutes, according to both him and Carla. Then Keon leaves and he heads home. You know, he's got the groceries for the house, for Avis. According to cart documents, Keon is said to arrive at his home at 8.40 p.m. From the time that Keon started basketball practice... So before he got home, apparently Keon was trying to get in contact with Avis and was like, hey, what's up? Hey, how are you? Basketball practice started at what time? Basketball practice started at 5.30. Okay. So it was like a two-hour basketball practice, which is pretty standard for after school sports. Okay. So he was texting her during the practice and on the way home, like, hey, what's up? Uh, groceries, I got everything, blah blah blah. And she wasn't texting back. And it concerned him so much that she wasn't texting him back within that two hour span that he ended up calling Avis's mother, who lives an hour away and was like, Hey, have you heard from Avis? And his mom was like, um No. I I haven't heard from her. Like, is something wrong? He's like, Oh no, nothing's wrong. Click. Hang up on her. Right. Now, most of us have a routine when we get home. Like, everybody knows, you know, you park at the same spot, you go through the front door, back door, garage door, whatever, however you do it. Now, Keon, too, also has a routine, as well as Avis, but today, and his routine is to go through the front door when he arrives at the house, Right. but today he decided to do something a little different. He decided that he was going to open the garage door and go through the garage. Don't know why he made this decision. Don't know if it was the groceries were too heavy. Don't know why he did it. But when he opens the garage, he is met with Avis's lifeless body laying out on the floor in a pool of blood.
1: All right, now, this is where Keon's actions get a little suspicious. After finding the body, he pulls out his cell phone, and the first person that he calls is Carla. Not 911. Carla. So he's calling Carla. He's freaking out. He was like, oh, my God. She's dead. You have to help me. Help me. Help me. She's dead. Right? And when he gets off the phone with Carla, he runs to his neighbor's house and he's banging on the door. And the neighbor's is like, Don't know who the fuck's knocking at my door like that. But I'm not answering. It was a it was a woman hearing the knock. She was taught her husband, She said, You have to get that. Because it sound like some mess at my door. Opens the door. He was like, Call 911. My fiance's been murdered. He was like, Baby. Call 911, his fiance's been murdered. So she's like, oh no. So she calls 911. She goes like, he says his fiance's been murdered, right? So they go back over to the house. He's got Avis in his arms, crying, pleading or whatever. So he found her body at 840. By 846, cops was there,
0: okay? That's suspiciously fast. Maybe they live close to a police station. You're telling me in six minutes he arrived at the house, found her dead, called Carla, ran and banged on the neighbor's door. The neighbors wondered, who the fuck is that at my door? Sent the husband out, called 911, and the police came. Then he ran back to the house and held her lifeless body until they arrived. In six minutes. I know six minutes is a long time, but in six minutes? He's an athlete. Girl. <laughs> So the first thing that the police do when they get there is they secure the crime scene. They get Keon off of Avis's body and they look at everything that is happening at the house. They search the house and they see that the place has been completely ransacked. So initially they're thinking that Avis was the victim of a robbery gone wrong, right? They take Avis's body for an autopsy and they see that she was shot Four times, she was shot in the thigh, the left buttocks, the chest, and the head. She was also stabbed at least three times, one of them slashing her throat. According to Dateline, when they found Avis, her pants were down as if she was sexually assaulted. And they also were trying to figure out how could the perpetrator have gotten in. But they found on the back door, they have like a glass door that is covered by a wooden frame. Mm -hmm. And they see that there are kick marks of the door and there's a shoe print. They can tell by the kick marks that somebody tried to kick like the middle of the door and... That's not how you kick a door in. And finally the person whoever was it, whoever it was, kicked near the lock and that's how you get into a house. Right. Obviously. Right. After the autopsy, they place Avis's time of death to be around 5:30 p.m.
1: Okay, so po- the police are like, "Okay, we need to start with the obvious." It's a bloody crime scene, so this is a crime of passion and crime of passions, you know. Or any type of crime. You start with the people who live in the house. So they take Keon down to the station. To give a statement. So Keon comes in. And detectives are kind of off put by his behavior. They said that he was. Not acting as if someone's fiance and baby just died. Sometimes he was cracking jokes. Other times he was sad. They said at one point the detective Like, after he was cracking a joke or whatever, the detective was like, do you remember that your fiancé and baby just died? And he was said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, guys. So, they're in there. They're talking to Keon or whatever. And they're asking him all these questions. And he was like, listen, y'all think I did it, didn't y'all? Like, y'all trying to set me up for this shit. And... They're like, no, sir, we're just asking you questions. He's like, I don't like it. Y'all trying to hold me hostage. Y'all wouldn't even let me use the bathroom. we are like, we let you use the bathroom. He was like, not at the, until I begged to go. And they was like, but did you go? He was like, eventually I went. And he was like, so don't say that. So like, they're not really feeling each other at this moment. So then the detective is like, listen, I'm not about to give you this Miranda warning, sign this paperwork so we can get forward to the questioning. And he was like, I'm not signing shit. He was like, y'all not about to put down that I said this, that, and the third and next thing I know I'm in jail. They said, sir, this is just a Miranda warning, meaning that we can ask you questions regarding the case and that you've been Mirandized. He's like, you not putting my name on nothing. He's like, at this point, I don't even feel comfortable talking to y'all. I invoke the Fifth Amendment. I want a lawyer. They're like, sir, you're doing an awful lot right now. Can you at least give us an alibi for where you were? He's like, oh, I was at basketball practice or whatever. And he's like, but can anybody specifically alibi you? And he's like, well, a matter of fact, they can. Ask Brenda Martin. So, they do. So, it turns out Brenda Martin was a mom of one of the kids on the basketball team. And, apparently, Brenda and Keon have been talking a little more than just her son's performance on the court. And, apparently, Brenda has also been going to see Keon over at On the Border while he's serving the drinks. Now, they just had some casual flirting, a little kiki here and there, maybe some inappropriate texts, but that's as far as their relationship had gone. But why was Brenda so tight-lipped to talk about it? Was it because he was almost married and had a baby on the way? Or was it because she was already married and cheating on her husband with her son's basketball coach? So... The police are kind of looking at Keon a little funny, right? Like, they're like, listen, we just brought you in for a witness statement, but you are not acting like just a witness. You want a lawyer. You're invoking your fifth. So maybe you do need to be a suspect. And they start digging in, and neighbors said that, you know, his routine changed, and he went into the garage instead of the front door. And, of course, we know that he's got women all over the place. You know what I'm saying? His family is saying that maybe he didn't really want to be married and all this shit. So, thing, they're like, you know what, maybe maybe we do need to look into you, right? So, the police let him go because they have nothing to hold them on, but they're like, we're definitely going to dig into you a little deeper.
0: So, now we're on December 1st, 2006, two days after Avis's body was found. Police decide to bring in Carla for questioning. Initially, Carla says... Yes, her and Kiana co-workers, and of course she knows about his fiance. She's crying, and they're like, "Why are you crying?" She said, "I'm just so sad about his fiance because December first, two days after she was found, was also Avis's funeral." Mm. And she says, "Of course I know about everything that happened, but we're." just co-workers we're just friends and she leaves the police station and then later on in the day she returns to the police station and she actually admits to the police that her and Keon and in- did have a sexual relationship but again she reiterates that she knew that he had a fiance that she knew that messing around with him wasn't that deep and when they were like were you expecting Keon to leave Avis for you she's like absolutely not I didn't want him to leave her for me or for anyone else. So, like, never implicated him, never said anything really bad about him. <laughs> so then the detectives ask Carla if she owns a gun, and she says, no, I don't own a gun. And they're like, okay, well, do you have access to a gun? And she's like, no, I don't have access to a gun. I mean, like, my daddy had guns, but
1: I ain't got, I ain't got
0: a gun, and I don't have access to guns. And the interview with Carla kind of raised suspicion for the detectives. But what the detectives were really honing in on is the fact that that back door was kicked in. And they just didn't believe that a woman could kick down that door. Kick
1: down your door. And and smack smack your bitch. Just to show you Monica not having it. it. I love Gunica. I don't know. She's a cheerleader, right? I mean... She used to be a cheerleader. She's a cheer coach, so she knows something, right? It's not about what she knows. It's about the strength that she holds on her legs. To kick down that door.
0: She could. So, they don't think it's her. They let her go. They have nothing to hold on her. And the detectives are already early off a bit puzzled on how to solve this case. And it wasn't until... until And it wasn't until a few days later, on December 5th, 2006, when an attorney contacted the police saying that their client had some very interesting information that would assist the investigation. Their client's name was Patrick Nash. Patrick is actually Carla's cousin. And what he says to the police turns this investigation on its head.
1: are you feeling burnt out does life just keep on lifing do you feel like you're about to snap like one of our sisters on the show well we've got just what you need that's right i'm talking a vacation okay my girl Brittany pines is gonna hook y'all up she's gonna get you your transportation hotels flights trains activities events anything you can think of she gonna handle it for you just think of her as your personal concierge now i know what you're thinking where do i sign up <laughs> okay i got y'all all you gotta do is head over to britneypines.inteltravel.com that's b-r-i-t-t-a-n-y-p-i-n-e-s dot i-n-t-e-l-e travel.com or you can email her personally at travelsimplified21 at yahoo.com y'all better hurry over and get y'all rest and relaxation on and i want to see the pictures of y'all listening to the podcast while y'all on vacay mode okay
0: Patrick tells police that back on November 26, Carla, who's his cousin, came to him and asked to borrow a gun. And he's like, uh, why do you need a gun? She told him that her neighborhood was unsafe and it was super dangerous and she was really worried about her safety. So he was like, okay, well, I'll come by, I'll protect you, you know, I got you, because oh, or whatever. And she was like, nah, 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 just give me your gun. And actually, while you edit, let me get one of those hunting knives too, just, you know, to keep me safe. So, Patrick was like, okay, sure. And he gave her a thirty-eight revolver loaded with five bullets. And on December 1st, which was two days after the murder, the day that she was questioned by the police, she returned the gun to Patrick. Now, when Patrick checks the gun, he's like, ayo, cause my bullets all gone. And she's like, oh, it's cause I went to the gun range. Like, no, you know, I went to the gun range. I used up all the bullets. Oops. <laughs> and she never returned this hunting knife to Patrick he never got the knife back but he got the gun back and according to Patrick Carla was crying when she returned the revolver and Carla denies that she ever was crying but apparently he asked her he was like I mean the murder had hit the news at this point right. and so he literally looked at her and was like uh, you involved with that murder Is this have to do with that murder up there and she didn't answer She just hung her head and left.
1: So, on the next day, December 6, 2006, Carla was arrested and charged with accessory to the murders. That's murders with the S because in Mississippi, if the fetus is five months or more, then it's a life, so you can be charged with the murder of a child. So, murders. The police got a warrant to search Carla's house, and according to the Criminal Discourse podcast, they were searching for six things in particular. One... Ammunition or shell casings, because turns out she picked up all the shell casings from the crime scene. They weren't able to locate any. Two, a knife of any kind that could be used to puncture somebody or stab or slit their throat. Three, any clothing that had bloodstains on it. Four, shoes that matched the shoe print left on the glass door. Five, gloves that might contain any physical evidence or blood and six any documentation or written communication that showed a relationship between Carla and Keon They didn't find everything that they were looking for but what they did find was a women's size 10 tread safe shoes that matched the tread pattern from the crime scene a photograph of Keon on her nightstand and a handwritten letter with the initials KP on it I
0: I do not have the picture on my nightstand of just any old body Especially just like a regular friend, framed. First of all, framed like framed. If it's a me and a guy, we're together. Or it's a me and a person, I should say, (laughs) we're together. Like
1: together, together. I think
0: the the frame, the frame photo that I have on my nightstand is of my. Listen, frame
1: photos are family.
0: Yes, I was like, it's It's my family. family. (laughs) It's my family. You've seen the frame photo on my nightstand. It is family.
1: (laughs) So the police didn't find a gun. They didn't find a knife but they're stupid suspicious about this matching sole pattern on the glass door. The shoes were also a size 10, and it had what it looked like to be blood on it. The shoes and the revolver that Patrick brought in were sent to the crime lab for testing, and right now, at this point, she was still under arrest for the accessory to the murders. Police did a little detective work or whatever. And they're like, you know what? Let's go through the cell phone records of Keon, Carla, and Avis, right? So the cops are like, let's dig into these phone records, all right? So they start off with Keon. They see that at 512, he makes a call by 537. He's at basketball practice and has already dropped off the groceries to Carla's house, right? Right? So, at 6.15, he calls Carla, and he's like, you know, what are you doing? She's like, I'm at the gym. Well, I just finished at the gym. I'm about to go home and shower. He's like, all right, I'll see you when I finish practice to come pick up them groceries. She's like, all right, cool, see you later. So, then, at 7.18, he has another call that's within the range of Carla's home and school, and the calls at 8.41 and 8.46 are calls from his home, right? 8.41 being the call that he made right after the murder to call carla and then 46 was what to call her parents
0: right because all those towers have like a two mile radius so you have to be within like two miles of, the cell phone tower. Off of it right? right
1: so then they go and they look at Avis phone records Avis phone records she's got a call at 536 and it shows that she's you know on her regular route home she should be pulling up Basically at any moment as scheduled, right? Then they look into Carla's phone records. So Carla answers the phone at five thirty and she's within a two mile radius of Keon and Avis's house. The call ends shortly after and she's still in that same area. At six oh four, she places a call within the same range, but ends the call at six oh seven and is now outside of that two mile radius away from the house. So what this told them was they knew that Avis died between five fifty and six o'clock, right? Which means in that window, Carla was within a two mile radius, right?
0: That's what they're arguing.
1: That's what they're arguing. So, you know, throughout this whole time, they you know they've only charged her with accessory, right? And they're like. We really think Keon has something to do with it, and we just need her to spill the beans, but we think she's trying to protect her man. They done tried talking to her lawyers, trying to get her lawyer to tell her to plead on this man. She was like, listen, if I knew he had something to do with it, I'd tell you, but I just don't know I wasn't with the man, right? I don't care if I was with you or not. If y'all telling me to say he did it, I'm going to say he did it to get my ass out. I'm just saying, because
0: y'all not going to keep calling me. Listen... She's, I mean,
1: she's in jail at this point. And they're like calling
0: me up to the school to be, uh, talking about
1: nothing. Listen, so they're like, we've got a lot of evidence against you, dude. We've got one. You brought this gun. Now, Carla says, I was scared. There was a burglary attempt on my home recently and I was just scared. So that's why I asked them for the gun. Then, you know, they find the shoes at her house and she's within the radius, so they're like, I mean, at this point, we think you have something to do with it, and if you want to go down for all of it, fine. You want to keep saying he has nothing to do with it? We'll take your word for it. So on December 8, 2006, they upped her charges to two counts of capital murder. She was officially indicted on July thirtieth, two 2008, where she pled not guilty, and she and her defense team prepared to go to trial. Well,
0: was- trial was scheduled for October 2009, so it had been three years since Avis was murdered that Carla actually saw a jury. So trial was scheduled for October of 2009. Now, this had been three years since Avis was murdered that Carla finally got to see a jury. Within those two years out of the three years that she was in jail awaiting trial, Keon had already gotten remarried and got a baby on the way. (laughs) Like he ain't got bigger problems to worry about. So the prosecution sent a copy of the marriage license to Carla in jail To basically try to get her upset and get her to turn on Keon. It didn't faze her. Not one bit. So the jury was made up of seven white men, two white women, two black women, and one black man. Keon originally did not want to testify in court, but he got subpoenaed, so he had to. While on the stand, he said that yes, him and Carla had a sexual friendship.
1: Sexual friendships. Yeah,
0: a sexual friendship. <laughs> but still, it was nothing more than just a friendship. He also said that star he also said that Carla started talking some crazy shit. So according to him, she was trying to move too fast and shit. She was talking about meeting his family. And one time she claimed that she was pregnant when she really wasn't
1: i don't know why they go for that because at some point you're gonna have to produce some results
0: you know what i'm saying and she doesn't have any and you can time those out pretty easily like yeah like if you tell t- me you're pregnant right now and you're like i'm pregnant i'm keeping it right then i'm gonna be expecting a baby in nine months not 12 months when you figure out how to get pregnant and time nigga, it, right? i'm
1: gonna be expecting an ultrasound next week let's go
0: show me your test right now
1: let's get an ultrasound
0: also carla was going around to her friends and she was like yeah you know (laughs) that's my man that's my future husband we gonna be together and here's the thing like i'm not about to say oh this is my future man this is my future nothing if i know you got somebody like if i'm feeling you and i think that there's a future i might be like "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." but i know you got somebody That also has a ring on a finger. Anyways. So the prosecution uses this. And they're like. Oh. She's a jealous lover. Trying to get rid of the competition. Now. When the defense team gets a hold of him. And they get a chance to talk to him. They're focused on two main things. First were the shoes found at Carla's home. Now. These are a size 10. Tread safe. Turns out Carla wears that size. But Keon. Also, wears that size. Hmm. Things that make you go hmm. <laughs> and the defense also got Keon to admit that he, in fact, has a key to Carlos' home. Will had a key to Carlos' home and would borrow her shoes all the time. That's fucking weird.
1: Is it though?
0: I don't know that it's
1: weird. But what I'm trying to understand, tread safe are like work shoes, right? Right, like if you're serving. If you're serving. so Or bartending. Or bartending. And if you have a key to the house, you probably leave some shit there. I'm sure he's got a drawer. He's definitely got a framed photo on the nightstand. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't see any reason for Carla to have these tread safe shoes, Because even as a cheerleader
0: coach, you wear cheerleader shoes or sneakers, not tread safes. Right. If she's not moonlighting as a bartender, then why would she need them? I think it's weird, but the weirdness of it all helped the defense try and convince the jury that she was not the killer, but that in fact, Keon was the killer. So they were focusing on the fact that Keon was actually the one that killed it. And they were trying to say that like Keon somehow slipped out of basketball practice ran to his house, killed her, and slipped back. The jury took eight hours to come to a verdict. I'm gonna save my opinions for the end of the episode. Right. I'm trying to hold it. The jury took eight hours to come to a verdict. They came back to the courtroom and announced that um that Carla was found guilty of both the murders of Avis Brooks and Avis's unborn child. Now, this is a capital murder case in the state of Mississippi. You know what I'm saying? So, the death penalty is on the table. So on October 14, 2009, Carla was spared from the death penalty and instead she was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences.
1: So in 2012, Carla filed for an appeal because she just personally felt like there was a lot of fishy shit going on with her case. And I kinda agree, let's break it down. One, her and Keon, again, were the same size. Gosh, two, forensics was a little fishy because they said that Keon had gunshot residue on him, but they acted like it wasn't pertinent to the case. This was because it was like he didn't have a gunshot burn, which is what somebody would have firing the gun. He just had residue, which he could have picked up from holding the body. They're like, okay, he also had blood all over him. And it was like, yeah, but he held the body. You know what I'm saying? But you can't, like, distinguish the blood from the murder and the blood from holding her, right? She's also like... He had access to my house. He could have got to the shoes or whatever. On top of that, the medical examiner that you guys got is suspect as fuck. In one year alone, he did between 1,500 and 1,800 autopsies, which averages out between four or five a day and they're like that's an awful lot like I mean I don't know anything about autopsies but I would be watching Ducky from NCIS and he be working on one body for a couple days you know what I'm saying to be thorough so he's doing four or five in one day that's a lot it turns out he actually ended up having two cases overturned and the two cases that he had overturned those people were in jail for 12 or more years and right and it was like because they was like in addition to doing all those autopsies he was also making like a million dollars a year and it was like it wasn't just because he was getting paid for doing autopsies he was getting paid for testifying too so
0: so he was double dipping
1: he was not credible at all
0: he was not credible and he was like a a walking conflict of interest right and how do you get paid to testify i feel like that's supposed to be like your civil duty
1: Or a subpoena, like the law. Or a subpoena,
0: because, like, the jury... But that's the
1: thing. That's why, and so now he's no longer recommended as an M.E. in the state of Mississippi. They took him off the recommendation list. This margarita is pretty good. Yeah. I'm fucking with it. The M.E. is fishy on its own. They tried to bring that up, and they was like, we don't care. On top of that, this is the same M.E., that said originally that there were no blood on the shoes and then came back like three weeks later and was like, as a matter of fact, there was blood on the shoes. And he explains it away, of course, and he was like, listen, they told me don't test the soles because they were looking to compare the soles to the footprint on the glass. And he was like, so I didn't test the soles, and that's where the blood was. Which sounds a little suspect because if it, don't you think the blood would be on top? Why would you not test the entire shoe, period? Because he's saying he had to leave it alone for testing. But I feel like that footprint evidence is just a picture. And you see if the pictures line up like a fingerprint, right? I'm no expert. I'm no expert. But that's how I... So, then, outside of the M.E., she also is like, on top of everything else, I had a shitty-ass lawyer. Which, I can't agree. Her lawyer was shit. Her lawyer was a tobacco litigator. And he said he had done criminal cases, but is it like tobacco criminal crimes? Does that count as criminal? He was like... That's still white-collar?
0: That's still white-collar crimes.
1: He was like, I've done criminal cases and criminal people do whatever they can to flip over. Not who I would choose to represent me when I'm being charged with two capital murder cases. But despite all of that, on june 21st 2012 the mississippi supreme court ruled that her ruling be upheld it was like you still had opportunity you still had means you still have motive so we're gonna go with it i just
0: feel like that is enough reasonable doubt to at least warrant another trial i feel like there was an
1: the problem was the lawyer that she hired was a family friend and she wanted to take you know, she probably trusted this man to look out for her best interest and not just be after the money. But it's and skill. It's, it's skill. And this is something that you want to pay for. You know what I mean? I asked my daddy to buy me a lawyer. And I was like, this is the cheapest one he found. He was like, this is not something you go with the cheapest on. <laughs> this is something that you want to pay them and make sure that you have somebody who's going to do it. You know what I mean? Right. So
0: I feel that. And here's the crazy thing about the case. I feel like they didn't really get a chance to talk to Avis's family a lot because we saw on an article, but not on the stand, that at Thanksgiving. So, mind you, this happened on November 29th. Y'all already know this happened on November 29th. And so, you know that Thanksgiving just happened a few days before. Now, while Keon was with Avis, with Avis's family. Avis's mama insisting them was like, Girl, your man's show is on the phone a lot. Mm-hmm. And he, is that a, is he cheesing over there while he on the phone?
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Girl, he outside whispering in a low tone on the phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it. She didn't say nothing, didn't know who she was talking to, nothing like that.
1: Therefore, you hear the real tea, right?
0: Okay. So this
1: same weekend, turns out, Carla followed them to wherever the fuck her family is from, right? Followed them to where they was at. Calls Keon, says, I just got a hotel. Come see me. He goes and sees her. This same Thanksgiving weekend. Hangs out with her for a little bit. She was like, I want to spend some time with you. Let's have a night on the town. He said, no, girl, I'm with her family. I can't spend a night with you. I mean, you've already left the house, but you definitely can't spend the night,
0: right? No, I if I invite a person to my family function, and you just up and leave for any amount of time, you're you're never coming back. See, this is
1: a thing. I don't feel like it was a family function. I feel like it was a family weekend. Right? It's Thanksgiving, but it's more than it's Thanksgiving into the weekend. You have Friday, Saturday, have Sunday. Friday. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So he has time to get out the house and it not be a big deal. No, nigga. Let me tell it's you a something. holiday weekend. you supposed to be m- with motherfucking me. No. Because let me tell you, y'all not my family. Y'all are her family. But you
0: supposed to be... You're about to enter the family, though. We're engaged. Are we? They're engaged. But did they... I mean, technically... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, per his family, he didn't even want this shit. I understand that, but you have an image to uphold within this here four walls. I don't give a fuck. No, you don't. Because he hasn't been if up... If you don't he want me, not been up... talk to
1: me. He hasn't been upholding that image so far. In this case alone, we already know about two different women who he was cheating on her with. That's all we know about. Because that that's all me, that was pertinent to this case. To Go ahead to someone else. Within two years of her death, he was already married with the baby and on the way again
0: away. and again i try i try that was
1: not his family it just wasn't
0: i got something better for you okay <laughs> tell me so apparently when keon went to go get questioned by the police the first time right mm-hmm. the police he wasn't in the official interrogation room but when he was outside of the official interrogation room, he made a phone call. Mm-hmm. And the detectives found that phone call very weird because he was talking very low, but they could tell that he was like, Hey baby, something, something, something. something. And they were like, Baby, we are here because your wife has been murdered. Fiancé was still. I broke your thing. Your fiance has broke been- it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We are here because your fiance just got murdered, and you are on the phone with somebody. But and you know they didn't say nothing when they found the call later. Guess who he was on the phone with? One of them women, and it wasn't Avis. It was Carla Mm. calling her baby. And so I don't understand why he was up here calling her crazy right when it seems like you
1: leaned on her quite heavily your fiance is murdered and the first person who you doubt is carla not your nigga not your bro not your dad not the cops but carla saying i just need help really quickly even though the cops arrived to your house within six minutes now when he was asked why you with the cell phone Who your cell phone obviously worked right. you know and you called Carla from it but you ran to the neighbor's house and told them to call the cops why was that
0: right so I feel like this entire case is very fishy and Carla is still maintaining her innocence she says that there is absolutely no way that she committed this murder her son of course she has a son from the engagement went wrong mm-hmm. and the son is being raised by her parents all right, y'all. It is time for. Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. Okay. I ain't do it, but if I did, this is how I would get away with it. Okay, y'all. This week we're gonna do it a little differently. Just because this is kind of a whodunit case, I don't think I'm officially convinced. So I have a couple of theories on who or on who actually killed Avis, if it wasn't Carla. You wanna go first you want me to go first? Cause we both do. <laughs> yeah, I've
1: got sisters. I've, I've got, got a honest. few. Um, I can go. I can get this out the way. So, first of all, it's very suspect that Keon wears the same size shoe as her. I
0: don't think that's suspect in a man. Like, that's weird.
1: I also think it's I mean, I don't seen some size eight and a half niggas, you know what I'm saying? How tall was he? Was he like a five seven ass guy?
0: I don't know, but that just gives me very because you know I like everything gender wise. And listen, it gives he me was very, obviously my girlfriend.
1: He was obviously performing where he needed to perform. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Because he had the ladies' hook. Okay. It ain't the size of the boat, but the motion of the ocean, and we are done. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't know but he wore the same shoe size He had access to her house Yeah her cell phone things were peeing in But she just very much seems Unconcerned about this nigga Having a relationship And even if they tried to stir her about it She didn't flip out about it So y'all telling me she lost it and murdered him You know what I'm I mean, it Murdered her you know, like, that's the point. She lost it. She don't care if he's married now. She don't care about this and the other. She's not going to turn on him. But she was so jealous that she killed his pregnant fiance. I'm just not buying it, right? So I think that Keon had two problems he needed to get rid of. One, this pregnant fiance, because he wasn't necessarily ready to settle down. We can see that by his actions. But two, Carla so-called thirsty ass right per him yes. she was thirsty as fuck right heavy air quotes heavy i don't know but i feel like he was like i tell you what i can get rid of both of them Pleading the fifth during trial like what do you have to plead the fifth about
0: he pled the fifth fifth during the trial he also pled the fifth during that interview during his during initial him, interview yeah you don't plead the fifth unless you're invoking your your right to incriminate yourself now it's clear that he did
1: not understand the law because he also was like y'all are not about to put something in my confession and they just wanted him to sign a Miranda waiver but I still feel like you're invoking the fifth. The second time during trial, that's your lawyer, not you invoking the fifth. You know what I'm saying? Or your lawyer coaching you to invoke the fifth. So you had something to hide, right? Clearly. I think he set Carla up like he was in constant communication. Oh, I just finished working out. I'm headed home to shower. You're searching for your baby moms because she didn't text you back within an hour. It's... it's it's giving very... You went through the garage for no reason?
0: It's giving very, very... I set this up strategically as fuck.
1: Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, he paid attention to the small parts and the small details and was like, I can make this happen. You know, i am a alibi myself. I'ma have whoever go over there, whether it was Carla or whether it was somebody else. But I think he was involved at some point. And what's interesting enough is they asked him on trial and they said... Do you, do you feel responsible for her murder? And he said yes. And they said why? And he said because if I would have just stayed faithful to the person that I was with, then Nigga none of this would have happened. The person you was with, you was Avis. with like fifty eleven people. and if you were faithful to Avis. Ru-
0: then it wouldn't have happened say her name he should have definitely said her name i'll be damned if i get murdered because you fucking around and the least you can do is say my name on trial damn if i'd have
1: been faithful to the person i was with well who was you with which day
0: (laughs) because you avis lost again like here's my thing what if hear me out what if it was one of these other bitches we ain't never even heard of right what if it's because the woman i doubt that he... they the only two i d- what, plus the three the mom right i doubt they're the only three now what if it was whoever he's in, he's married to now because this is a very quick turnaround and i would be damned if i'm with somebody married to them and then they have to go on trial for murder of their ex fiancé they have to testify in court for the ex-fiancé because their ex-girlfriend killed it. like that's a lot to be dealing messy with a man messy baggage it sounds like that's, a lot that's a lot of messy baggage to be dealing with a man unless you I'm are willing you, he's to got, deal got with a it as lot low. to offer somewhere cuz <laughs> it must be cuz it ain't your face okay he's got a lot to offer somewhere okay that's all I'm saying i don't know where I don't know where because it's not like a gym teacher slash math teacher makes a lot of money. Or best, also
1: had the bartending job. <laughs> That's the tips. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my nigga was holding out three jobs.
0: <laughs> right? Girl,
1: hard working. Okay, you gotta
0: hold out a lot of jobs when you got a lot of bitches. You know who he reminds me of? One of my niggas was talking about his girlfriend was a girlfriend. Not one of your niggas. <laughs> <laughs> not not no. one of your niggas. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh my! I Tell, us. Like that.
0: Tell us. Tell us. <laughs> one of my friends was talking about how his girlfriend was like, "Oh, let's get a, let's get a girlfriend." And he, I was like, "You want to do that, bro? That shit expensive. That just sound expensive. Like one guy with two girls is sound expensive. I mean, if you want to do your thing, you can do your thing. But and for me, I'm thinking about the wallet.
1: Mm-hmm. My heart is
0: attached to the wallet, mm-hmm. and I can only afford one. I can barely afford me." <laughs> barely afford that one but Did you and I don't understand why these texts why these I feel like they really didn't maybe it didn't it wasn't made public but I really would have liked to seen text messages a little bit more detail in the phone logs and I think it could have just been what was released to the media what was released to the public because the trial overall was pretty closed so we're just going off of articles that we found but I would have liked to see you know who deciphered these text messages and what they said especially text messages between him and uh Barbara at the basketball practice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need to know these things I it need was to probably know.
1: all filthy <laughs> it,
0: was, it was probably
1: all filthy Girl, you so no good evidence at the in top it. of this <laughs>
0: He look so good at these fucking uh, bleachers. Right. Eyes. Couldn't keep my eyes off Clinky you. Couldn't keep my eyes. Or I can't even pick. and yes, calls and shit. First of all, let's talk about this. If you are my son's basketball coach, I'm going to need you to make sure that the motherfucker is running in shape. I can't comment because
1: my mom definitely dated my soccer coach. I can't comment. <laughs> 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 I have nothing. <laughs> okay, you know he you know who he reminds me of who? you know on John Legend's first album he had that song with Kanye and Kanye was like I don't want to cheat but I don't be saying shit I tried to jack off he told me who you playing with but I know he love you he told me you was his favorite that sound like him all the fucking way all the way to a T oh that my sounds gosh. like him gosh like, oh listen, goodness. it's not about the love. I'm really out here, just, but he's doing a little more than just fucking. He's like, he's
0: he's whispering stuff in their ears. You know what I mean? All right, girl, parole or no parole, I definitely think she needs a retrial. I'm, I'm. If I was sitting on a jury, personally, I don't know without a reasonable doubt. I don't think I could convict her without a reasonable doubt. There just wasn't enough evidence. If evidence pulls up, and you know turns out she did do it and that evidence wasn't illegally tampered with then I have no problem convicting her but it just doesn't seem something in the math isn't mathing even with the times something in the math is just not mathing for me especially the phone calls and especially the arrival at Avis's body so I say retrial let me get some more evidence let's really get some um expert witnesses and let's make sure that this why did they bury Avis so early I I,
1: I... maybe they didn't have any plans to make like I feel a lot of the funeral plans is coordinate coordinating everything and they had a family plot so she was buried there with the rest of her family and when it comes to family plots you pay for that shit in advance so, when it comes time to it, there's no hold up. It's
0: just getting the funeral. You know what I mean? But the thing is, so much happened. With, like, if I'm murdered, keep my body as as long as you can. Because so much can be learned from the deceased body. You know what I'm saying? So much that clearly was overlooked by this uh, medical examiner. But so much can just be learned even... So much can be learned post-mortem, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. and. I feel like putting her in the ground so early just took away a lot of evidence. But that you know what
1: affected the trial? That autopsy was probably complete because they had that medical examiner who was doing four or five autopsies a day. And that's bullshit. So he probably released that body. It's like you know what? We're done with it. You can have the body and gave it back to her. That's BS. and them thinking that you know what I'm saying, trusting the police and everything, and thinking that shit runs the way it's supposed to because shit should run the way it's supposed to. And there's no reason that it shouldn't. But people would disappoint you every day. And people will always look out for themselves. And a men- medical examiner was one of those people looking out for himself. So, that could be one of the reasons why she buries her early. If he's finished with the autopsy and they got this shit paid for, why
0: would they wait? Yeah. And I don't just understand why they spent so much money on a lawyer, family friend, that really could not help her. They paid for him?
1: Yes. mm that's unfortunate It spent a lot of money wasn't that the point of him being a family friend well they that's why
0: there's this like go it's not a GoFundMe, me but there's a like raise funds for her type of deal but that was for her appeal right yeah but somebody uh donated like this year i saw i think that's all we have today yeah okay boom all right, let's get on to reviews. Do you want to go first, or you want me to go first, or we should? We re- just re- do the one. Morning. Okay, friend. I have a review for us this week. It's a little different. If you like the podcast as a whole, you know, go to Apple, give us a five star review. This says, this one comes from activist Chan. Activist Chan gave us three stars and said a rose and thorn. Activist Chan said, I want to start off and say I love this podcast. As a black woman who is a crime and sociology nerd, this podcast is extremely gratifying and you feel at home listening to it. My two thorns are the way the issues around the reform and sex were spoken about on the Paula Cooper episode. Paula at 15 cannot consent. She was raped. We must call it rape. At 16, even if it is the age of consent, the power dynamic in the prison makes it as rape. Paula at 15 cannot consent. She was raped. We must call it rape. At 16, even if it is the age of consent, the power dynamic in a prison makes it rape as well, even if the law has not caught up we must acknowledge it as so it was disappointing that two grown black women where at least one is an educator either cannot or choose not to acknowledge it as so also prisons were not designed to be reformative are not reformative and there is no reforming an institution built to oppress and enslave. If the podcast is to be used as a commentary on the justice system and its treatment of black women, it is disappointing to hear what came across as slack to a prison system that's responsible for murder. There is a plethora of research that could have been cited, including from the ACLU. If you can't tell already, I am an abolitionist. And while I try to stay unpolitical, I was disappointed. It was disappointing to see that abolition research was not explored or mentioned in this episode where a black woman was clearly failed by both our social systems and our social justice system. I hope this show continues. And I hope episodes continue to get better. I binge listened to all the episodes from the beginning to Paula's in this one night. I do enjoy the show. This was just a hard episode
1: to listen to. All right, activist Chan. Taz here speaking. I'm gonna just say this. I appreciate your comments. I'm not one who's adverse to
0: feedback. I'm like I am.
1: You know what I'm saying? We're two different people. Verage's <laughs> a sensitive soul. I, for one, love feedback. My only issue was, I do not feel like this was the place for your feedback, because what I also am is a numbers guy and a statistics guy. And that's how we sell this podcast, is through our numbers and our statistics. And what it sounds like to me is that you love this show. You
0: and just got mad at the episode. You got
1: mad at the episode and gave the entire show three stars. Thus far, messing with our statistics and dropping us a star. And that's what really bothers me. What I would like to invite you to do is join our discussion group. You don't even have to answer the questions. Just say, it to me and we'll let you in and you can then post your comments in the discussion group and we can break it down so have some responses to your notes like i hear what you're saying but honestly i give you a half a point because a lot of the shit we did cover in the episode and maybe you missed it and that's fine we're willing to discuss it because that's what the discussion group is for and if i fucked up i'm fine i say the half a point that i give you is that you mentioned that we didn't call rape rape And the only reason I'm giving it is because this is the second time we've getting caught out on it, right? And so I understand, you know, call rape rape so that you, you know, make the point that you're trying to make. But I feel like in our stories, the two two instances where we did not call it rape was because it legally was not rape.
0: And we discussed how it was bullshit,
1: but by law, it was not rape.
0: And we discussed it being bullshit and being detrimental to black women. And again,
1: let's come to the discussion group so we can have a discussion about it because that's what the discussion group is for. I just ask that you guys, like, I'm not saying that everybody has to like the show. There are some people who are not going to agree with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, the lady who didn't like our cussing, that is fully fine. That's your opinion. Somebody just told us just now that we were what, um victim blaming
0: for the white people
1: I can see that I'll allow it I understand I received your feedback you know what I'm saying but I'm not going to receive inaccurate feedback and another thing for those who tell you we Is don't receive can... go ahead, go ahead. for those of you who said we don't receive feedback well <laughs> I <laughs> 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 I receive feedback just fine just because I don't follow the feedback that you give doesn't mean that I didn't receive it. I ran up by a few other people, had a conversation, and it might not have aligned what you needed. But when I'm wrong, I have no problem checking that shit out, and I don't have a problem with people disliking the show. But it sounds to me that you really do like the show, and I personally feel like save this for a discussion so we can have a discussion. Because right, I have no problem talking this out have, with you.
0: Right? If you enjoy the show, then say let's you get enjoy into the show. it. If you didn't like this particular part, then there's a place for that.
1: And maybe there is something for me to learn from this feedback. You know what I'm saying? But on that that platform, you know,
0: some of y'all be talking, y'all, T- y'all, fine. everybody don't have to
1: like us. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Mara's a little more sensitive. I don't. That's think, fine. I don't understand
0: why y'all don't. But okay. Everybody does
1: not have to like us. That's fine. Everybody, we're not for everybody. There's no way that somebody can be for everybody. That's fine. But if you love the show, love the show. Don't hurt us in the end because it's, it's bigger than that. You know what I'm saying? We have no problem.
0: But please come on to the discussion group.
1: Let's let's talk it out. All right. That's the end of our reviews. I'm not doing another one
0: yes i mean i feel like some people think that we don't take reviews well we don't take criticism well because of me (laughs) she she's a little hothead you guys i am i am i always have been and i that's why most of the time when i get upset at what y'all niggas say (laughs) i usually send it to taz and be like can i cuss them out
1: and i literally be like i'll say my opinion And then I'm done with it. Like, I don't sit with it. Because honestly, it's a lot more fans out there than it is people who don't like what we do. Very much so. You know what I'm saying? And it's the fans who we're doing it for. If you don't like it, stop listening. You know what I'm saying? Don't torture yourself, you know? But There's so many other podcasts. There's so many other podcasts.
0: Well, thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Sisters Who Kill. This was our 21st episode. We legal as fuck.
1: Faith. Thank you so much for these drinks.
0: Faith, girl, these drinks were it. Not buddy. one, but
1: two hits, okay?
0: Okay. <laughs> All right, y'all. If you want to get in contact with us, you can email us. If you want to email us just to say hi, to give comment, if you have something mean to say to us, or if you want to buy an ad space, you can email us Email us at sisterswhokillpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at sisters who kill. It's mostly Tazzy, but sometimes it will be calling in because... I like Twitter. I like the app. <laughs> and if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's Sisters Who Kill Pod. If you want to email us, I mean, find us on TikTok at Sisters Who Kill Podcast. If you want to join the discussion group, make sure you answer my questions. Except for activist Chan, you might as well come on in. Um, anything else, friend? Talk to us. We talk back. We really do. All right. Peace. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> People are like, "Oh my gosh, y'all actually talk back to us!" I'm like, girl.
1: I am I'm a on nobody.